The advantage of a bad memory is that one enjoys several times the same good thing for the first time. Frederick Nietzsche. Welcome to Supreme Lessons, the number one podcast about the art and science of education. I'm your host, Giovanni, and every week we'll be delving into education reform, the most effective learning techniques, and the research that drives it all. Join us as we expose the keys to unlocking genius one episode at a time, here on Supreme Lessons. Today I want to talk about studying, but since studying is such a complex topic, I've decided to make this a three-part series focusing on the main components of studying, time, productivity, and memory. Memory will be the topic of today's discussion. Don't forget to check out part one and two if you haven't got a chance. Let's start off with a quick memory test. Does the Monopoly man wear a monocle or not? What color is Pikachu's tail? During the iconic Star Wars scene, what did Darth Vader say to Luke? Here are the answers. The Monopoly man does not wear a monocle. Also, despite popular belief, Pikachu's tail is solid yellow, not yellow and black. Darth Vader never said Luke's name when revealing his true identity. All three of these questions are common things that people across the world misremember. This is called the Mandela Effect, which derives its name from Nelson Mandela, whom many people believe died as a prisoner in the 1980s, when in actuality, Nelson Mandela died many years later as a free man in 2013. People underestimate how unreliable memory can be. I can admit that my memory has betrayed me more than all my enemies put together. And we all have had an experience where we studied, took notes, and even understood the material. But when it was time to bring those facts into recollection, some of the details became foggy, and you found yourself looking at two answers that both felt right, but you could only pick one. Frustrating. The goal of studying is to commit material to memory. So let's pause here and define three kinds of memory. Working memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. Working memory is used to perform complex tasks and regulate executive functions like emotions, focus, and organization. Working memory is used to make sense of the information being sent to the short-term memory. Like remembering what the correct order of digits are in a phone number or flipping a switch down to turn the light off as you walk to another room. Working memory can also be abstract, like remembering a room number while you get directions on where that room is and where the elevators are. Next is short-term memory. This is used to hold information for small periods of time. It's also a buffer between working memory and long-term memory. Examples of short-term memory include remembering an address long enough to put in your GPS or remembering what caught your eye on a menu until the server returns. During this stage, a person decides if something should be placed in long-term memory for future reference or forgotten immediately after use. This stage of memory has its limits. Psychologists believe five to nine units of information can be held in the mind before a person begins to forget. Finally is long-term memory, which is the mind's directory of information. This is where vital or repeatedly used information is stored, like your birthday or the quickest route to work. Long-term memories are formed through constant exposure, meaningfulness, and utility. 
Long-term memories are accessed in four major ways. The first is recall. This is remembering with no cues. So if I asked you who the 45th president of the U.S. was, it would take you no time at all to say Donald Trump. Next is recognition. This is being able to identify something if it's shown to you. My four-year-old can't write a letter K. But if she was shown all 26 letters of the alphabet, she could easily point that letter out. After that is recollection. This is remembering after being cued. Here's a pop quiz. Are prefixes found in the beginning or ending of a word? Here's a hint. Pre means before. See how that works? That's recollection. Lastly is relearning. This is being reintroduced to old information. For some of you, that last question about prefixes was probably a refresher. It's probably been a while since you thought about word parts. Over time, even information stored in long-term memory will begin to fade. Relearning not only helps retrieve foggy memories, but it also strengthens them. To better remember something, you must make sure that the memory is first stored correctly, which requires attentiveness and understanding. Here are three ways to improve your memory. Tell a story. Taking key points and stringing them together to create a narrative is a way to better process and retrieve information. One of the best techniques to doing this is by using an associative strategy. Take a random number like 478 and link the digits to something you're familiar with. For example, 4 is A, 7 is S, and 8 is B. Now create a sentence. Mine would be A snake bites. This creates a simple idea in my mind that is connected to the number I'm trying to remember. And who can forget how scary snake bites are? This brings me to my next point. Make it emotional. You are more likely to remember the last time you were stopped by a police officer than you are to remember the last time you stopped at a yield sign. That's because the more emotionally triggering something is, the more likely we are to remember it. Finally, build on something you already know. All good educators know that new information should be built on foundational information. This is why you must learn to crawl before you can walk, and you must learn the alphabet before you can read whole words. There are other tried and true techniques called mnemonics to improve your memory. I don't have time to go through each one in detail, but I do have time to at least give you four of my favorites. Chunking, rhyming, acronyms, and the PEG method. Google those when you get an opportunity. A wise man once told me that sometimes success depends on knowing what not to do. So here are what psychologists call the seven sins of memory. The first is transience. This is just the fading of memories over time. Next is absent-mindedness. This is a lack of attentiveness. After that is blocking. A great example of this is the tip of the tongue syndrome. You know intuitively exactly what you want to say, but physically you can't say it to save your life. After that is suggestibility. This is a manipulative method used to force people into wrong thinking. After that is bias. This is a big one. Long story short, biases occur when irrational thinking leads a person to draw illogical conclusions. Next is persistence. This is a recurring memory that causes a person to become obsessive. 
And the last sin is misattribution. This happens when a person remembers something incorrectly, adding or subtracting details to the memory. Avoiding these mental habits will also improve your memory and promote more intentional behaviors. Well, that's my time. Thanks for joining me today. Got a topic you want me to cover next? Email your request to ask at supremelessons.com. I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to check out our other episodes. New segments drop every Tuesday. Supreme Lessons is powered by Bando LLC and produced and edited by yours truly. See you next time. Peace.